Welcome back to School of Science Radio. I'm Gino Ganello, joined this week, uh, as always, by Matthew Chandler. Uh, no guests, so it's just us two this week, Matthew. Uh, we got a lot to talk about. It's, uh, I guess, a little bit, uh, you know, very stressful week, but still a good week for Everton. Yeah, I mean, it should make for a much happier, fair podcast than last week, if you know, less cathartic, maybe. But um, I, I think I said last week four points would be what I'd expect from these two games, and obviously that's what we got. So quite happy with that. Looking forward to going through the Leeds game and the United game with you, Gino. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, Brian, staying true, you know, every time after he comes on a podcast, we win. So basically our stopper. Uh, that, so every time we that move, isn't, that isn't true, by the way. I don't know why Brian said that. I, no, I checked that. We came <laughs> on last time when we lost to Leeds, and then we drew with Burnley the game after. And then I, I, the other time he came on was the Sheffield United game last season, and then right, we lost well. the game after. The game after that was the last game against Bournemouth where we got beat three ones. I don't yeah. know why. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. He's he's lying. So, um, but but this time it worked. It worked this time. So we'll take it. Uh, we'll start off with the first game, the Leeds game. Uh, Everton obviously uh, taking the two one victory in this one. There were three changes from the Newcastle loss. Uh, Olsen was in for Pickford due to the injury. Um, Holgate was in for Coleman, and Gomez was in for Rodriguez. Uh, everything else pretty much stayed the same. Um, Sigurdsson scores in the ninth, Calvin Loon in the 41st. Uh, and then, of course, uh, we let up a goal in the 48th minute, let leads back in the game kind of right after the half. Um, what were your thoughts on this one, Matthew? Good response to Newcastle? Yeah, I mean, I, it, it kind of went as I expected because I just feel like Everton are like the game after the, the complete meltdown. Everton normally do quite well um, and have a show more reaction. Um, I was impressed, but I just thought we played some nice football. It wasn't just kind of back to the wall defending, although obviously for the second half we got more pen back. But um, I think the way Leeds play kind of suited us a bit because they 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 come at us, they come at teams, don't they? They they want to attack, and that led itself I think quite well to Everton picking them off. Um, and I think a lot of players who had poor games against Newcastle. Really stepped up as well. Luca Dean was superb, having struggled against Newcastle. Gilby Sigurdsson the same. Andre Gomez, I thought, obviously got the move going for the Sigurdsson's goal by playing that lovely ball forward to Dean. And then he provided a lovely cross for Sigurdsson to finish. It's just a better team performance. They look, there's a lot more commitment there. Ancelotti called them lazy after the Newcastle game, and I don't think that was something that you could um, you could label at them for, for this game. Um, and a really important win just because not only because of what came before it, but also what comes after it in terms of the trip to United, um, the trip to Anfield soon as well. Um, I think it's, it, it was really important that we didn't just let the season slip away. And I think not just with the Leeds game, but last night as well with United, which we'll get onto a bit, and kind of maybe breathed a bit more life into, into the season again. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they, uh, like you said, they came out. Definitely were not lazy in this game. Um, you could tell there was like a little bit of a, a fire lit under them. And I think Alex Awobi even said that in an interview he did after the Newcastle match. Um, was that, and I, I think it was after the Leeds match too, you know, saying that, you know, the words that Ancelotti spoke kind of lit a, a little uh, fire under them and, and they came out 
you know, on fire in this game. Sigurdsson scored in the ninth, and then Calvert-Lewin in the 41st that looked really, really good, and, and we're able to hold it off even after Rafinha puts in that goal in the 48th minute um, against a team, like you said, in Leeds, who, who typically just, you know, runs at you and just throws waves and waves at you. Um, a big part of that second half um, and holding on to that 2-1 lead was Olsen in goal. He was fantastic in goal, specifically that triple save in the second half at, um, when it was 2-1. Uh, what were your thoughts on his performance, Matthew? I thought he was excellent because um, maybe the one difference in this game with kind of previous wins where Everton have had to grind out was that maybe the goalkeeper had more to do. Um, it feels like in, in maybe the Chelsea win or the Arsenal win, our goalkeeper has, has had saves to make but maybe not been kept so busy. And I don't think Leeds absolutely peppered Olsen with shots, but... Um, that triple save in the second half, especially, was was fantastic. And you could say that maybe he had he brought it on himself by clearing it. But you know, when it came down to it, he made three saves in quick succession, which helped win Everton the game, and then makes a follow up save soon after that. So, um, in one attack, he made four pretty crucial saves. Um, he, I think, it's hard to talk about it now because obviously, like we'll talk about later. He kind of he took a step backwards against United, but in the main, I think Olsen has been a calmer presence in, in Everton's goal, um, a more dependable presence in Everton's goal. I don't f- feel generally like he is going to be prone to as many mistakes as maybe we've seen with Pickford. Um, he's also a bigger presence as well, which I know maybe people overstate a bit about Pickford, but I think it does help having someone who kind of fills the goal fills the goal out a bit more than. And Pickford does. Um, I like to say he just. I think he just transmits a, a more confident mood. We seem very settled with him, even though he's only played a few games. I think that's the sign of a good goalkeeper as well. So I was really impressed with him because it felt like as well the first game where he's really had a lot to do. Um, again, like you said, the Leicester game where we beat them and he played. It was a really good team effort, but part of that meant that Alston didn't have many saves to make. Um, the what was the other game we played in the league? Was it Newcastle when we lost again? Yeah. You know, um, yeah, so. letting two goals, but neither really his fault and anything he had to do. He did pretty solidly. So um, I'm I'm pleased with Olsen. And it looks like he has brought out a better run of form in Pickford as well. Apart from the the, uh, the goal he let in against Leicester. So in a way, I think he's been kind of the perfect signing for us because at least at least for the short term. Got a better second goalkeeper, and we've got a better spell out of Jordan Pickford. And I think those two things are linked in terms of stronger competition has has bred stronger performances in Pickford as well. So um, I'm really happy with the Olsen signing. Actually, the way he's planned out, panned out so far, I know Ancelotti's been quite coy about how how often he's going to play and when Pickford's back. Um, but I would be surprised if Olsen, say, never or barely plays again, even when Pickford's back, because I think he's done enough in the main to to warrant more games this season. Yeah, I, you know, like you, you kind of hit hit the nail on the head there and kind of said everything that needs to be said about Olsen. He was fantastic in this game. We'll get to him a little bit in the, uh, in the game uh, against United and, and kind of some of the things that happened there, and we'll talk a little about that a little, little bit later. Um, but some players also uh, playing a little bit better. Um, that midfield obviously had Sigurdsson and Gomez in it. Um, not typically something that works too well for Everton, but 
uh, better this time around, Matthew? I think so, because Sigurdsson played higher up, I think that helps him so much more because I think he's not going to, I don't think, ever like, he's past his peak now, I think everyone would admit, because of his, just because of his age. I think maybe the toll, the amount of games he's played, he's had on his legs, because he's basically played non-stop for what, five plus years. Mm-hmm. But it does feel like the most impactful place he can be is kind of just behind the striker. Um which is where he got the goal against Leeds, wasn't it? I mean, he was he was the furthest player forward we had to receive that ball from Dean and very much doubt that he would have been found there against Newcastle because of how much deeper he was playing. Did a good did a good job on Calvin Phillips as well. Um, yeah. Kind of uh, sticking to him. Uh, I think reducing him to about half a number of passes that he had in the reverse fixture. So um, that was impressive. Gomez, Gomez is the same. I think I think it certainly helps when you've got Abdullah Decore next to you because he's such a sort of wrecking ball in that midfield and such a such a tenacious presence. But I don't that shouldn't detract from Gomez or Sigerson's performance because I think you said about Sigerson, um, how much better he looked further up. But also Gomez looked a lot more composed on the ball. Um maybe contributed a bit more defensively than we normally see from him as well. Um, he looks like someone who is maybe just... I know it's taken a while. I know he's been back nearly a year now, but this, these last few games have probably been his best run of games, I would say, since he got back from injury. I know he's had like good one-off games, but uh, against Lee... I mean, that like I said, that pass to Dean to pick him out was, was really what Gomez is best at and what we want to see more of from Gomez. Because in that deeper role, that's that's something that you look at from him. Because he's not a defensive midfielder, is he? No. no but I think no. that deeper role probably suits him better, and then Sigurdsson ahead of him. I think the yeah. problem comes more when you play, when you play them side by side. Mm-hmm. I think we saw that last season again as well when you had people like Schneiderlin in there as well. When there's no pace like next to you, it, it's a lot harder than say when Sigurdsson's playing further forward. At least then you've got someone like Decore to break things up and kind of steer things in one yeah. direction or the other. Um, I think Gomez and Sigurdsson playing behind or not not in line with one, one another helps and obviously like I said Decore who I thought was excellent in this game as well uh, should have gotten assist for Calvert-Lewin at the end um, he makes such a difference just because of his physical presence and his, his dynamism as well um, so yeah I think better from Gomez and Sigurdsson definitely um, and obviously like I said Decore just makes such a difference that we feel that it almost brings, it almost elevates other players around him as well, doesn't it? Yeah, no, he does a fantastic job. I mean, he's he's just seems like he's all over the place, Decore. But um, but yeah, Gomez and Sigurdsson definitely look better. Uh, Gomez seems to be you know picking out those passes that we're used to and and finding the spaces uh, on the field to kind of get into and and receive the ball and and kind of turn and and find a, a teammate. And then, of course, like you said, Sigurdsson being in that higher role, he did a fantastic job on, on Phillips. Um, a really, really good performance from both of them. And, you know, an, uh, another great performance from a player who is starting to look like one of the better signings of the transfer window in general in Ben Godfrey. He was uh, fantastic again. Obviously, the, uh, you know, the the run up the middle of the field there, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, and then first half I think it was is what stands out but he's just he he's unbelievable um isn't he Matthew 
Yeah, and he um he kind of I know he's played there a lot before, but he obviously took to a, a different position this time to where he's played lately anyway. I know he's played centre back already for us before, but I think this was the first time he's played at the back in a two. I think it's the previous times it was in a back three against um was it Leeds in the reverse fixture and Fulham. And I think him and Yerry Mina made a really good partnership. Because Yerry Mina you know, headed and, and cleared everything away pretty, pretty comfortably. Yeah. Godfrey is maybe a bit more agile. Um, but again, obviously got the assist as well for Calvert-Lewin's header, by looking it on. Um, he, he, I think, is, I've said this before, but I think Godfrey is kind of the, blue, the blueprint for a lot of signings Everton should make. Not necessarily that, that they have to come from the championship, but just players with not just like the talent that he's got, but like the hunger as well. I think he epitomizes what an Everton player should be to me. And um, you know, we 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 paid a fair amount of money, I think, for someone who had only played one season in the Premier League and got pretty comp- comprehensively relegated. But it looks such good business because of how well he slotted in and how um, how versatile he is. How strong he is, how quick he is as well. Like his his recovery pace is is. I I I'd watched quite a bit of him, but I didn't realise how quick he is. I mean, yeah, that feels like such an asset wherever he plays. Um, his tackling is, is fantastic. His dribbling is fantastic. I mean, kind of struggling to find weak points in Godfrey's game at the moment. Um, and you almost feel like I know I'm not I'm not suggesting he should. Um, but. Maybe were Ancelotti to try him in, in somewhere like midfield, then you again you trust him because I think if you can trust him at fullback, where he'd barely played before, you can probably trust him in a position he's played more often than that. Um, it's quite a nice headache to have, isn't it? Because um, even if you kind of struggle to pin down where he should play, at least you know he'll he'll always deliver for you uh, wherever he's he's put. So um, it, yeah, like I said, it's, it's a it's a much, I guess, much more enjoyable sort of conundrum for Ancelotti to solve that one. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, he's been, like you said, wherever he's played, he's been been amazing. And, and it's just, you know, we find out new things that he can do. Uh, you know, it feels like each and every day. Um, he just has a passion, has, he kind of, he grinds out everything. He's, you know, always in on challenges, always putting a challenge in, always, you know, he's flying down the pitch, whether to get back and, and recover something, or like we said, bombing down the field to, to start an attack. Um, he's just, he's been phenomenal for Everton wherever he's played and, and just another really, really good performance from him again. Um, obviously Joshua King surprisingly was able to make his debut from the bench late on after signing on Monday, he was on the bench on Wednesday and, and able to make his debut Obviously, he wasn't on for too long, but what did you make of his uh, his first game in, in an Everton jersey, Matthew? He didn't. He, I don't think he was fit. Was he? Oh, he didn't look particularly. Yeah. Like I know he's played quite a few games lately for Bournemouth, but he hasn't played a lot of football over the course of the season. Hadn't trained with Everton yet. I don't think. Um, I'd only just joined less than forty eight hours earlier. So I'm not saying he played badly, but he, he didn't look, you know, up to scratch yet. Uh, he will be. I think. I think, like we said last week, I think when you consider the finances of it, it's a good deal. It might just take a bit of time for him to bed in and get going, which is fine. Like I'm not, not blaming him at all. I think he'll he'll come good for us. It just takes a bit of time. To, you can't. 
expect too much from like a five minute cameo. Um, yeah. On a terrible pitch, having just having not even signed less than having not even signed for Everton 48 hours earlier. So um, there's a lot more to come from King. Um, just uh, not just keen not to ex- expect too much too soon from him, I think, and maybe uh, afford him a bit of time to, to find his feet. But I think he is a good signing, and I think, like Olsen with Pickford, I think he will... That extra bit of competition might drive Calvert-Lewin on, because obviously Calvert-Lewin broke his, his gold duck, or gold drought in this game as well. Um, and, you know, maybe he was more spurred on because he saw Josh King was on the bench, I don't know. I mean, that, that's what you want. You're like The stronger your squad is, the more hungry your players are going to be, aren't they? Um, yeah. So I think from that sense... Yeah. At least uh, Josh King makes a good short-term acquisition anyway. Yeah, I think he, uh, like you said, Matthew, it's hard to judge um, a player, any player in that, any attacking player, I think, in that situation because, you know, you bring Josh King on in a two We weren't attacking, were we? Yeah, we weren't attacking, exactly. So yeah. we come in, he comes in in a 2-1 situation. He, you know, he's going to largely have to play defense, but to make an impression, you know, He's going to have to be going forward and stuff like that. So it was a hard debut for him to have, I think, off the bench. Only signing, like you said, less than 48 hours beforehand. Get coming into a game where attacking wasn't the primary option, I guess you could say, uh, because we were up 2-1 late in the game. Um, but it did, you know, it, it may, maybe it did spur, um, you know, some – you know, some fire from Calvert-Lewin. Like you said, he ends his goal drought over seven, uh, over after seven games. I think that brought him to 12 at that point. Obviously, we know he scored again in the Manchester United game, which we'll talk about. But I think his 12th goal puts, puts, Everton, puts him in second in the league. Um, or joint second yeah. behind uh, Salah. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think it's going to take some time with King. Um Calvert-Lewin, like we mentioned, gets back on the score sheet. Um, always good to see that from a confidence perspective, um, you know, after not being on the score sheet for seven straight league games. Uh, good to see him back out there and, and doing his, his thing. Um, just some other stats to go over um, from Pete's five telling stats. Obviously, Dean with his six assists in 12 games this season. Um, more on Dominic Calvert-Lewin. It's his uh, fifth-headed goal. Uh, in the Premier League this season, which is more than any other player in the composite competition. Um, but Everton are having some second-half issues. Uh, they've In the first half, they've scored 20 uh, goals while conceding 12. But in the second half, they've scored 11 while conceding 13. Uh, you see any issues with that? Does that, that include that, last night? No, does not include what last night. This is from Leeds. No. So it it, it, uh, it it would be a little bit more in our favor in that, that sense. It would be 14 and 14 then. I think you could balance it out by saying that it um, wasn't the case against Leeds, but I think against Leicester, Chelsea and Arsenal, wasn't there a start that they had no shots on target in the second half? Yeah, 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 yeah. So I don't think so. I think um, I understand you know, the point Pete's trying to raise there and... If we haven't been quite as solid now as we were like in, in December, but mm-hmm. I don't think it's it's that much to worry about. We've also got Richarlison off form. Yeah. I think is too good a player not to come back into form. Um Cavalier obviously had a more barren spell. I think that'll pick up now. Um because he tends to score in streaks, doesn't he as well? Josh King coming in as well. I 
I think that'll probably even itself out over the season. I'm not really worried about that. I think also, you know, obviously this is a season like no other with games in the midweek yep. all the time. So, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's reasonable to see teams kind of faltering defensively in the second half in some situations, but um but you know, I think Everton will I think, like you said, I think it'll get figured out. I'm not too worried about it. Um, and then finally, the real big stat from this one is four consecutive away wins for the first time since December of 1985, which is, uh, you know, really good job by Everton um, and Carlo Ancelotti. He just keeps, keeps winning on the road. Um, it's nice to know that we can go places and pick up points um, as opposed to, you know, obviously we would like our home record to be a little bit better but it's nice to go go and pick up points uh, on the road as well. Um, anything else you want to touch on, Matthew, before we move on from this? Um, I forgot to say I like the fact in his, in his pre-match press conference, by the way, that before this game, I think we have seen a more, um, a more measured manager, maybe, in Ancelotti. He doesn't get too, too carried away when we win. He doesn't get too uh, downbeat when we lose. Normally, the fact that he looked and said things that would suggest he was, you know, quite quite visibly annoyed and upset by the Newcastle game, calling the players lazy and things like that. He hasn't he hasn't really, apart from maybe the Wolves game last season or the Chelsea game, he hasn't really resorted to that kind of language. Um, I like him when he's more sober about it because I think. That helps the players and the club, and it helps people not to get too carried away. But I also I think this occasion kind of warranted that reaction. I was pleased to see him speak so sort of bluntly about about Everton against Newcastle, and I think that's had a reaction in the last two games. Um, because they, if they were lazy against Newcastle, which they were, they certainly haven't been since then. Um, so I think Ancelotti's again managed that one pretty spot on because you know it's, it's got the it's got the it's had the desired effect hasn't it talking like that I think if he'd spoken again just about you know it's one game or you know we are still top six or seven or whatever I'm not saying we would have lost to Leeds or United but I think it, it made that message kind of hit home a bit harder about how I need to not just rely on their quality but also back it up with application and, and effort which they didn't do against Newcastle but they did do against Leeds so um, I I, I thought Ancelotti managed that really well. Yeah, I mean, it shows shows a top manager and, and some of the qualities. You know, he knows clearly knows when to press those buttons. You know, he knows when to press the button to, you know, get the most out of his players. And maybe in situations past, it wasn't needed. But clearly, he knew that in, in this situation, it was needed. And it did something to really, like you said, light, light a fire under them. And, and, you know... They played really well and definitely were not lazy in the last couple games or in the two games uh, since. So um, good job by Ancelotti. We're going to take a uh, quick break, but after the break, we're going to come back and talk a little bit about that crazy Man United match. All right, we're back and talking Man United Everton. Uh, this one, a 3-3 draw, this a crazy game, and three changes from the Leeds win. Keane came in for Mina, Davies in for Sigurdsson, Gomez in for Awobi. Um, six goals in all, six different goal scorers. You had Cavani in the 24th, Fernandez in the 45th to put 
Uh, United up 2-0. Then Everton's two goals come by Ducore in the 49th. Uh, Hamas in the 52nd. McTominay gets his head on one in the 70th to put Man United up 3-2. And then, of course, the late, late, late Calvert-Lewin 95th minute winner. Um, crazy, crazy game. We'll talk a little bit about coming back down from 2-0, but what were your opinions of Everton's performance in this game? Obviously, they earn a draw by not giving up, but did they really play that well for all that much of this? It was it was a really weird Everton performance. Um, I thought, to be honest, because the, until United went ahead, I thought Everton uh, competed pretty well. I didn't think there was a lot to split to split them. I think we had an outlet in Dean with Rodriguez kind of just playing where he was. You know, and Cavani's goal is is very soft in terms of uh, I can't remember who it is, but Rashford is allowed too much time to cross. It's a brilliant cross, but you. That didn't step to him. Was there. it Dean? I think it was. Yeah. Dean, I mean, it's a really good. It is a fantastic cross, but you shouldn't allow him that time on the ball. Cavani's header again. I think black defending from Holgate, who I thought was probably Evans' worst player yeah. last night, and and Michael Keane, uh, giving him too much space, especially when you know he's done that too before. Not 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 with headed goals, but having scored in both the two previous games this season. Second goal, I think, is I I would be quite disappointed if that with that if I was Olsen, I think. I'm I mean I'm not a professional goalkeeper, so you know, I will bow to the judgment of people who know better than me, but I just feel if you're getting chipped like that, could you do better? Maybe. I think you'd also maybe look at Tom Davies and say, should should he have closed down Fernandez better? Like I said about Rashford for the first goal with, with Dean. I thought Tom Davies did an excellent job on Fernandez actually last night, apart from that, but just that one moment where you let him have too much time on the ball and it punishes you. Yeah. And I haven't really flat for the for the, the second half of the first half. Um and you know, I didn't really expect much from the second, but we came out and just went for it and you know it paid dividends, didn't it, with the two goals. And then I was disappointed, I think, because after we equalized, I wanted us to kick on and you know go for the jugular. Because I didn't really feel like we had that much to lose. I felt we had United on the ropes. Yeah. I, felt, I felt if we went for it again, we could probably mm-hmm. get another one and go 3-2 up. Um, but it just felt like we retreated a bit and I think maybe the goal that from McTominay was coming. But, you know, we stuck at it and, you know, whether it's a bit of luck because of the way the ball bounces and fell for Calvary. Uh, you could say so, but um, <laughs> it was a crazy game. I've certainly seen Evan play a lot better than that this season. Yeah. But I think yeah. to to play like that and still come away with a point against a team that just won nine 0 as well and are second in the league, I think it's a really good result, all things considered. Um, I think we will need to play better than that, and maybe you know, I think there's an argument to say maybe when was the last time we played brilliantly for 90 minutes? I'm not saying I expected that to be last night because of quality of United, but I think we will have to play better than that to to win more games. But um, you know, under the circumstances, taking everything into account, taking into account the way the game went, I think it's a you, you can't really scoff at a three-three draw for Everton at Old Trafford, can you? No, yeah, I think you're right. I, I don't know if it was Everton's best performance overall, uh, or it definitely wasn't Everton's best performance overall. Um, you know, they. 
there were times where they just didn't play as well. And I agree. I would have liked to see um, after we went to two, two, I, I really would have liked to see them go after it, but they kind of just sat back and, 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 and kind of brought on pressure. And, and that McTominay goal was, was coming at that point. Um, I agree on Holgate. I think he was probably our worst player. Um, he just seemed to have a lot of trouble uh, on that right side. Um, you know, whether it be Shaw giving him a lot of trouble with uh, Rashford as well on that left side um, and just kind of the combinations that they had going over there. But um, he seemed to have some trouble over there. Um, in terms of Olsen, I would agree with you on the second goal. I think that the, I think that, again, we're not professional. What'd you say? The the goal. Goal. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. Um, just watching it, it just, you know, we're not professional goalkeepers and we aren't in that position, so we don't really know. Um, so from our perspective, it looks, you know, maybe like it's a savable shot, but maybe the curve on it kind of throws Olsen off. Who knows? But I'm sure he probably would have expected to do better on that. And then, of course, unfortunately, the slip on, on McTominay's goal kind of uh, played a part in him not getting to that one. Um, but I think Everton... Overall, they showed a lot of character, showed a lot of will to come back down from 2 nothing at the break. Um, that's something we haven't seen too much from Everton, <laughs> honestly. Um, you know, coming out in the second half, even after being down 2 nothing, I think there's a stat that, you know, we were talking about in the, the, the Slack group chat where, you know, typically when Everton are down at the half, it's it, points aren't expected because of, uh, you know, I guess our, our foreman, and coming back after being down at the half, but a good response from them. Um, I do want to talk about Tom Davies a little bit more. I know Matthew, you wrote in your piece there about, um, you know, what he did in this match. And I know you mentioned it already. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, what Tom Davies did and, and what impressed you in this match, apart from maybe some of his other matches and, and what he's done on, on the pitch. Yeah. So I just felt like, he is maybe growing in maturity in the seventh midfield, and I think last night was the latest example of that. I think at times you can see Davies get too carried away or struggle to know what his role is. Um, it felt very clear last night what he was in the teams to do, which was keep tabs on Fernandez and then keep it simple when he had the ball. And it was, like, it was a lot more effective defensively and often. Um, I think almost half of his passes completed with forward passes which is you know um, maybe a difference to the norm uh, in an Everton midfielder um, like I said he made one really good tackle on Fernandes which I think got him a yellow card but I thought it was very harsh because it was a perfectly timed tackle and it was only really I mean, it's a shame because the only real time that he'd let Fernandes off the hook was that was the moment where Fernandes scored Um I, I like the fact that he is maybe keeping it more simple. I think maybe it was the danger that after he scored that goal against Manchester City, people expected him to be this kind of sensational player who could, you know, complete these majestic moves and score these world-class goals uh, really frequently. And, and it's become apparent that he's not that type of player at all. But that's not it's not that he's a bad footballer. That's just not his game. Um, I. I think as well he's benefiting a lot from the way Ancelotti's using him because whereas I think Ronald Koeman overindulged him and maybe expected too much too soon of him or turned to him too too quickly too often and you know it, it was it was a weird situation with 
Silver, where it was like he would be captain one week and then not in the squad the next week. I think Ancelotti's got a nice balance with Davies, where this was only his third start of 2021. So he's, he's not a regular, but then he's, he's sharing that workload with Sigurdsson or Gomez. He's being trusted to see out games like against Fulham when he came on, or Chelsea and Leeds, Leeds in, on Wednesday when he came on and helped see us over the line. And he knows where his position is because he's playing in the same place every time now. It's, you know, it's a deeper role, but he's got more license to get forward and say, um, Idris Gay did when he it was in that midfield, so to speak, or Alan does uh, when he plays. So I think Davies is, has matured a lot this season. I think he's benefiting from better coaching and better management this season as well. I think it's nice to see now that he looks like he's kind of solved this identity crisis that I think he's had. Because um, it looks like he's figured out what kind of midfielder he is. It looks like Ancelotti knows that as well. Um, and he is becoming a much more viable option, I guess, as that third midfielder alongside Alan and Decore when they're both fit. Um, but yeah, I was really impressed. And also, he, of course, you know, the highlight, I guess, from last night for him was the, um, the pass was kind of cut United defence open, allowed the Cavalier to get in behind Maguire and then end up with the Corey scoring. So that's good from, from Davies. Um, and he has the, you know, the defensive acumen, I think, to go with it as well. So there's a nice balance there. There's nothing flashy. There's nothing particularly outstanding or, you know, headline grabbing. But he's just doing the basics a lot better than he used to be. And, and um, I'm pleased for him because I think he gets an unfair amount of stick from people at times. Yeah. Um, don't think he's ever going to be Evan's most gifted player technically, but that doesn't mean there's not a role for him. I think last night showed show why there certainly is a, a place for Tom Davies in the midfield at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, I agree that you know. I, I think you're right. He does he does get a lot of stick. We talk about it, or we talk about it a lot of time, um, a lot of times about that Man City goal and how that's kind of affected him. And um, you know, I think it just raised expectations to a point that maybe they didn't need to get to, and and they were never going to get to, um, or they never should have gotten to. But in this game specifically, you look at Pete's five talent stats. He played 12 successful forward passes. Um, you know, we had 45 touches on the ball, 28 successful passes, um, 90% pass accuracy, had three successful tackles, two recoveries, two interceptions. You know, he did it all. He, he was out there doing it all and, and really getting, um, you know, getting around the pitch and, and being a difference. And, and it's like you said, it's it's really good f- to see that. I'm really happy to see that from him um, because you know he he deserves it. He's been putting on the hard work, and uh, it's good to see that. He's also a very good locker room presence, and I live for Tom Davies locker room videos. So, <laughs> like the one we got last night uh, with him just you know wooing us to death over there. Um, but uh, he's been good, and I'm happy for him. Uh, just some of the other stats here in Pete's five telling stats. Um, you know, I think uh, a really big one is is the success against the big six so far this season. Uh, in recent seasons past, we, we've had, uh, you know, a lot of trouble, especially traveling away to the big six. Um, but so far, it's four wins, two draws, and one defeat. That one defeat coming to United at home, 3-1. Um, so really good job by Carlo to get that out of, um, out of the team. And then, um, uh, you know, I'm interested to hear what you have to say about this, Matthew. Um, 
Pete puts in his uh, in his five telling stats that Everton are not a play out of the back team. Did that um, was that kind of shown in this game that that uh, Everton needed to kind of stop trying to play out of the back and and maybe try a different strategy like long balls and hoofing it up to Dominic Calvert Lewin and playing that way. I wouldn't I wouldn't say we have to be so direct as that, but I I, I take Pete's point. I think we are not maybe that far down the line that we we are an exceptional footballing team yet. I don't think we play bad football, but I think we play what works well for the players we've got, which is functional, um, progressive football. But it's not it's not always easy on the eye. But when you, we've got Hamas Rodriguez in the team, we've got Charleston. Um, we've got Luca D. We have got some some brilliant footballers, and that does that still I think shines through. I don't think we are particularly good at playing out from the back at the moment. No, I would, I would agree. Um, but that's not something that particularly bothers me because yeah. I'm not a massive purist in terms of footballing styles. I, I wouldn't want to watch like Allardyce, Sam Allardyce's football every week again because that was you know soul destroying. But I, 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 you know, we played this the way we did against Man United and Leeds and got four points. So I can't, can't really complain with that because the end justifies the means in terms of how we played. Um, so we, I do agree with Pete, but it's not something that particularly concerns me about this team because I also think we will become a better footballing team over time. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, one of the big things about playing out of the back is, you know, Coleman hasn't been up to his recent form and Holgate obviously didn't play too well in this match. And, and obviously Richarlison hasn't been up, up to form there either on those outside. And, you know, I feel like a lot of times when we do work the ball out of the back, we try and work it up those wings sometimes too. Um, and that, you know, maybe that's playing a little bit of a difference in it too. And just, you know, not having some of these players in form that can progress the ball forward like a Richarlison or like a Seamus Coleman who typically are, you know, involved in the progressing of the ball forward. Um, out of the back but um, listen I don't care how we play <laughs> if we're winning games you know obviously like you said I don't want to watch Allardyce football again but I think the way we're playing right now I think we're winning games and we're doing a good job of it and um, you know however we need to play to get those results um, you know I think that's you know what we got to stick with and hope that the you know you just keep getting wins and Ancelotti just keeps figuring out what we need to do um just one last thing for Olsen, obviously has a couple of mistakes. This is really the first time he's really um, had a, a different, had a difficult situation in net. Um, I know we talked about it a little bit before me personally, I would hope that he kind of gets the next game. I want to see how he yeah. responds to kind of the mistakes that he made in the game prior. And if, you know, it's something that lingers or, um, you know, I hope he gets the next game just to kind of see that. But obviously with Pickford maybe being back for that, I don't know if that'll happen. Um, I'm assuming you feel the same way, Matthew, on that. I, yeah, I do. I get the impression that Ancelotti is still sees Pickford as his first choice. Yeah. Uh, rightly or wrongly. But um, I agree with you. I would like to see Olsen, how he reacts, whether, whether that, you know, knocks his confidence or whether he can rise above it and and uh, you know get back to form. I don't think he should be, you know, um crucified because yeah, the goals were sloppy, but that's one bad game he's had out of what, seven has he played for us now or so. So um I'd 
I don't know if Olsen will be like our long-term number one, but for the short, like it's like with Josh King, isn't it? It's like it's quite short-termist, but there's there's not a lot of you know we don't lose a lot financially from the Olsen deal, so it makes sense for this season. Uh, He's done well. He's pushed Pickford on. You know, I think he has done what's what's been asked of him, and up until last night, he hadn't really put a foot wrong. Just this one game, which is he's kind of gone backwards. Um, but I don't see the look at the inside bad games like Richarlison's had quite a lot of bad games throughout the season. So yeah, um, I don't think we need to go overboard just because we had one game. I think it also it's highlighted more when you're a goalkeeper. Absolutely. Because, yeah. you know, if Luca Dean makes a mistake, not necessarily terminal in terms of how the game goes. You know, if if also makes a mistake, also made two mistakes last night and it cost Everton two goals. So, um, that is more. Yeah, it has greater repercussions than an outfield player. So it's easier to notice it, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Um, because the end result, obviously, is the ball in yeah. the back of the net as opposed to Luca Dean screwing up and Godfrey having to clean up the mess or something like that. You know, it's it's definitely difficult in that situation. Um, what would you anything... do? You, would you do long, like, would you, st- you stick with Olsen as well then? Yeah, I would stick with Olsen as well. I, I would just like to see how he responds. And if he responds well, yeah. then you know that you have a goalkeeper there that can continue to challenge Pickford and maybe deserves a shot at just being the number one right now. Um, especially with the yeah. position we're in, and and obviously, you know, it's difficult. I, I think, I think get... I'm with you. I think that he's going back to Pickford as soon as Pickford gets healthy. But um, mm. I would like to see Olsen for this game at least for this the net to top. I, I think match. he'll get the cup game. I think yeah. he'll get the cup game because he gave Olsen the United Cup game. Yeah, I think he could get. I think he could get the Fulham game because having watched a lot of Fulham lately. I don't think he will be tested all that much. I think Fulham are a pretty solid team, but they don't create that many chances. So, yeah, it's not going to be the most taxing thing. I don't think for whoever's, whoever is in goal for Evan. Yeah. I also wonder if he will get the, the derby just because of the kind of mental hurdles that surround that game for Pickford, especially after the last one. Yeah, that's. But yeah, I, that's. I, I, I can see. I can certainly see Pickford playing more games and also the rest of the season. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. Um, the Derby will be an interesting one. I think that's really interesting um, in terms of what happens there because you're right. We've seen Pickford have problems with teams that you know, for example, Newcastle in a situation where he obviously played for Sunderland before that um, and and had, you know, has that mental block there. I guess you could say, and then has had now had his troubles against Liverpool. It'd be interesting to see um, if he plays in that one. But again, I think we're both on the same page. We'd like to see if Olsen can bounce back in the next game. And who knows, maybe, maybe he will get the start. So um, let's take a quick break and we'll come back and talk a little bit about the Tottenham and Fulham games coming up. All right, we're back and talking a little previews here. Everton got two more matches this week. First up is Tottenham in the FA Cup fifth round. It's going to be Wednesday, uh, February 10th at 8.15 p.m. over in England, uh, 3.15 p.m. here on the East Coast of the United States. And then, of course, they have 
Fulham on Sunday, February 14th at 7 p.m. over in England and 2 p.m. here on the East Coast. Uh, in the, a, that's a Premier League match. So um, at the time of recording, which is uh, Sunday, uh, February 7th, Spurs are in seventh in the Premier League, one spot behind Everton, also one point behind Everton with 36 points from 22 games. They have, I think, a game in hand, or we have a game in hand over them, though, I think. Um, they've lost three in a row in the premier league before beating West Brom two nothing at home. Um, meanwhile, Fulham is 18th in the premier league on 15 points from 22 games. They're eight points, um, from safety. Uh, their last 10, their last 12 games, they've had zero wins, eight draws and four defeats. Um, so let's look at this, you know, kind of how things are going to play out over the next couple games obviously some decisions to make for Ancelotti we've talked a little bit about Olsen and Pickford let's talk about the possibility of Allen being back in Um, obviously we've heard that around this time is basically when we should have expected him back so he could be back for the Tottenham match Um, if he is back in who are you putting in for or who are you taking out Matthew Um, probably Davies or Gomez I mean, I know you picked up Davies in the last bit, but I don't think. Um, I think Decore is obviously the most indispensable of the three, and then one of Davies and, and Gomez plus Allen. Having said that, I don't think there is maybe as much of a need to rush Allen back as maybe there was after the Newcastle game. Yeah. Um, we've obviously improved since then. Um, Having been out for eight weeks or so, I don't know how good an idea it is to throw him in the deep end straight away. I think Ancelotti might be a bit cuter with how he used him. Maybe look, maybe look to the Fulham game. Um, if Allen doesn't... I thought we really missed Allen when we played badly in the periods that we played badly against um, United last night because he just breaks up so much in midfield yeah. um, and Everton just overran at times. Um, apart from obviously Davies and Fernandez, um, would I, I would would I play him against Tottenham if he's fit? Maybe I don't know. It's hard because you don't want to. I think Ancelotti's shown like with his last few players who've been injured that like when they come back into fitness, gives them a maybe slightly easier on paper game first, like Sheffield Wednesday or Rotherham, before you know a, a tougher next game. Yeah. So, I don't know if Tottenham maybe will be too soon. Um, I think he only started individual, he was doing individual training last week. So, I my gut feeling is the Tottenham game will maybe come too soon for Alan, uh, which wouldn't devastate me because I'd rather he, he wait until he's fully fit to play rather than risk aggravating his injury. And would I think you... Davies and Gomez in particular have shown enough in the last few games. Do you think yeah. that if he is back for the Fulham match, that maybe Ducore gets a rest? Because Ducore has played basically every game, right? Maybe. maybe yeah. You know, I feel like that's a game you could probably rest Ducore, work Allen back into, and, and kind of, you know, maybe that's a good situation to kind of get Ducore some rest. I don't know. Maybe because we've got, well, we got Man City and Liverpool the week after that. We yeah. Um, that's a possibility. I just think maybe the, the Fulham game. Is having not won at home for what two yeah, months in the league? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if you can take much for granted. Yeah, no, that's um, fair. So, I think the Tottenham game will be is a weird one because 
I watched Tottenham and they look so drab. Um, yeah. yeah, you know, they've got Son and Kane. They were top of the league two months ago. So Kane is back now. But, Obviously, he was one of the goal scorers. Yeah, he scored today. Uh, yeah, and Son as well. It's just, I don't know if it's just Mourinho doing what Mourinho does or whether there's more, there's deeper problems there. There needs to be a lot of problems with Gareth Bale as well at the moment, which um, maybe is not surprising. <laughs> you know, the sort of the I don't know. I mean, I thought it was kind of a weird signing. I thought when they signed Bale, because he hadn't played very much, he got massive wages. Didn't seem like particularly Mourinho-esque signing. Yeah. Um, obviously, they, they, I didn't see them today, but obviously they beat West Brom pretty comfortably by all accounts. Um, they, I noticed he used Kane for all 19 minutes though so having not you know having been injured he kind of used him for the entirety of this game even though it was won by an out by 60 minutes um, Yeah. whether that'll make a difference on Wednesday who knows I would definitely go with our strongest team on Wednesday though because I think I say this about every cup game but I think if you ask most if not all Everton fans you know, if there's one game they want to win, it's the cup game rather than the league game because they're so desperate for uh, a trophy. Don't take anything for granted in either game, I think. The following game is a must-win, but so is this one. And um, We should take a lot of confidence, I think, from the, the Tottenham game at their place, but I think it will be a different kind of game because I don't think we will maybe be allowed to play with the same freedoms we had that day. Um yeah. And we have a different team, I think, now in terms of, you know, Godfrey's come in, Alan's been out, uh, Seamus Coleman isn't playing, so um, I don't think it will be quite the same game. I think, I certainly think we can beat them. I would, I would just, I'd also be wary of, I think like Evan fans, I think Mourinho kind of shares that hunger for Cups, doesn't he? They're already, they're in the EFL Cup final. Um, he, Normally, you know, he targets. I think silverware normally every club he was to in the first season just to, just to kind of plant his flag in the ground. So, I would expect a strong Tottenham team and probably a, a motivated Tottenham team, more motivated than usual, I should, I should say. But we've beaten them away. I know we're better away, but if, I think we can, if we beat them away and as as comfortably as we did, even though it was one nil, I think we can beat them. Beat them at home and. With Calvert-Lewin kind of back on form now, Rodriguez, I don't think he was ever off form, but certainly more in form. Uh, Decore, Davies, Gomez, etc. I think I think we stand a pretty good chance for this one. Yeah, it was well, certainly I, easier cup yeah. to have asked for, but I, I think yeah. at home is not a terrible time for everyone. Yeah, obviously with Rodriguez, um, was there any mention of him as to the reason he came off yesterday? Um, I know there was talk that possibly it was an injury, or I don't think so. I don't know whether he's just trying to use him sparingly because yeah. he has been kind of prone to the odd niggle and and whatever. Yeah, which again I don't mind. You know, no, no, not at all, not at all. Just making sure that I he... thought the decision to leave him out against Leeds was probably a wise one considering he's gone from playing no football for six weeks to playing pretty much every minute of every game for us. Yeah, more or less. Yeah, and yeah. Again, yeah. it didn't cost us against Leeds. Yeah, exactly. Even more impressive that we got the win without him. Um, 
Yeah, I think with Tottenham, it's it's an interesting situation. They have came back now, so that obviously is is basically they're two different teams when he's in the when he's in as opposed to when he's out of the out of the lineup. So um, having him back in is going to help them tremendously. Um, obviously, this lineup will look a little bit a little bit different than the last time we played Tottenham, but. Um, you know, I, I think there's a there's a good chance, and and it would be you know great to see Everton come out on top in this one. Um, any thoughts on Fulham you want to share before we get into predictions, Matthew? Fulham are, I don't think as bad as their league position or their their winless run suggests. Mm-hmm. Um, I I think they are a striker away from being a good mid table team because. I've quite a lot of them, and defensively, they're, they're pretty sound. They've got a very good goalkeeper in Ariola. Their, their back line is, I think, almost entirely different to the one they had last season, but they have integrated really well. Anthony Robinson has come on leaps and bounds. Um, and then but, and the midfield, look, the midfield is pretty strong with Anguissa and Harrison Reed and Lamina, Loftus Cheek. But I, they just lack a cutting edge, which I think is probably going to cost them their survival hoops. Lookman, I think, has probably been their best player this season, but he's not an out-and-out goal scorer. I, I, I am nervous about this moment because I, more because of how bad we've been at home than how good Fulham have been. But yeah, they won at Leicester. They, I mean, they battled. I watched them against Liverpool, and they battered Liverpool for half an hour of that game, and they drew. Um, I don't. What I'm trying to say is, I don't think this will be as straightforward a game as sixth versus eighteenth might suggest. You know, I think this will be a good test for Everton in some ways because Fulham very resolute defensively. Um, Everton, I'm gonna have to try and find a way of breaking them down, which is not something they've done particularly well at Goodison for a while now. Um, the only thing I think I don't know if it'll play into Everton's hands, but I think I. Feel like Fulham probably have to try and win this, yeah. Because of they, and again, I don't think they've been bad, but they are quite far adrift. They can't; they don't have time to keep drawing games. Um, whether that plays into Everton's hands in terms of can they just pick them off, I'm not sure. But uh, I don't think they've ever taken a point at Goodison in the Premier League, so uh, I would hope for a repeat of history there. Uh, I would not be surprised if this is maybe. One nil. So I'm not expecting like a, a comprehensive Everton win just because of where Fulham are in the league. Yeah, I think um, it, it it should be a win. There should be there should be no doubt that Everton go in and, and beat Fulham. And um, you know, obviously Everton, it's going to be about playing down to competition or whether they play at their level. Um, and break down, be able to break down Fulham. But I think you're right. I think maybe Fulham is is probably going to have to play to win this game, um, which will play may play into Everton's favor. Obviously, uh, I don't. Do they have a cup match in the middle of the week? No, right? They didn't. Oh, no, no, they don't. Know. So they have. They'll they'll be rested, well rested for that as well. So uh, maybe that plays into this game um, too. But we'll see. I, I think we should expect a win from Fulham, but a win from Fulham. Yeah, win from, win from, win from, win from the full match. Oh, uh, no, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, let's get into predictions. Try, 
you know, see what we're, see what we're thinking here. Uh, for the Tottenham match, we'll start off. Matthew, what do you got for this one? Mm, I think 2-2. I think it'll be 2-2. I think we'll go to penalties. Um, and I, don't, I can't call penalties because it's just a lottery. So. <laughs> um, um, and just for the record, we were all, I think, right last week we may not have gotten the scores right i know we got the, i know you and yeah. Prime, I think got 2-1 to leads right or 2-1 to everton right um but i didn't say 3-3 no, yeah none of us said 3-3 i think i said 2-2 um which i think you guys both said 1-1 so where the record was pretty good last week but um i think for tottenham i'm gonna go 2-1 wait is there is there extra time in the in this, or are they just yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, 2-1 in extra time, 2-1 in extra time to Everton, and then I, what about for Fulham? Uh, 1-0, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think 1-0. Okay, okay, I thought you were going to say, <laughs> I thought you were saying something else. No, no, uh, yeah, sorry, I think it'll be a pretty scrappy game, um, but I think Everton, on balance, would just have enough. I would just be cautious about expecting like a, com- a comfortable Everton win because I've seen a lot of Fulham and they are much better defensively than they were, I think, even last time they played Everton. Yeah. So I would be surprised if we don't win, but I, I equally wouldn't be surprised if we don't. I don't know. I'll go 1 0. I could just be optimistic. I'll, I'll go 1 0. <laughs> I'm going to go 2 1. Um, I think Fulham score a goal. Um, but I think Everton pull it out. Oh, Luckman will score, won't he? Yeah, Luckman will absolutely will. score. Or uh, the new kid that they got on loan Josh. because they didn't get Josh King. Oh, Magic. That, yeah, that Magic, kid will yeah. score. <laughs> He'll score. Um, Josh King. Josh King and goal. Yeah, Josh, yeah exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, I think that's it, though, right? Um, I don't think we got anything else left. Uh, Matthew, thank you for joining me, as always. Appreciate it. Thank you. Um, to you guys out there, thank you for listening and, and following us. We appreciate it. Just continue to subscribe, download the episodes, whatever you got to do. Leave us a comment. Um, we appreciate appreciate you guys listening, and we'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs>